The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When Judas was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command that I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Good morning. I need to thank everybody who made my mother feel so welcome last week when she was here at Mother's Day. Uh, and uh, I want to especially thank David for noticing that she had no idea where in the service book we were. And uh, <laughs> pointing that out. I will, I will encourage all of you to have that same kind of, let, let that same mind be in you, which was also in David. Uh, which is to be aware if there are people who are, are guests or new to us and are uh, perhaps not as conversant with the prayer book as you might be. I've often said that the, the you know, they, they say, it teaches the seminary that you need three bishops to make a new bishop. I think you, you need three Episcopalians to make a new Episcopalian. Because you, when, if, you're, if you're new and you're visiting, you need somebody in front of you so you know when to stand up and sit down. You need somebody next to you to show you where you're supposed to be in the book. And you're supposed to need to have somebody behind you so you can hear what you're supposed to be saying. Uh, so uh, please do keep that, uh, keep that in mind. I also am, have been advised... Uh, the, the, uh, given the uh, calumnies heaped upon sheep last week, uh, I'm also supposed to know that sheep can be good. <laughs> as well as done. <laughs> Which they are. But they can be good. So, we have this magnificent scene in Revelation. We got a bunch of these, actually, uh, in, during Easter Tithes. These pictures given to us uh, in, in John's Apocalypse, his, the revelation to John. Here we are in the home stretch of Revelation and all the scriptures. When John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with him, with them. It will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. 
For the old order of things has passed away. What Paul, or what, what John is echoing here is a prophecy that Ezekiel gives us. We often hear that story of the valley of the dry bones, where Ezekiel has a vision of the dry bones that come together and are given life again. We read that at the Easter vigil. But right after that, Ezekiel has another vision that is vitally important, where he says this in Ezekiel chapter 37, the word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, take a stick of wood and write on it belonging to Judah and the Israelites associated with him. And take another stick of wood and write on it Ephraim's stick belonging to Joseph and all the house of Israel associated with him. Join them together into one stick so they will become one in your hand. You remember Ezekiel is a prophet who is writing during the exile when the southern kingdom had been hauled off, having been conquered by Babylon. But before that happened, the northern kingdom had been defeated by the Assyrians. And before that happened, there was a civil war. The north and the south, the northern and southern kingdoms, Ephraim and Judah, had been separated. And so this vision that Ezekiel is portraying here is one of reunion, one of reunification, one of taking things that had been separated and bringing them back together. And God goes on to tell Ezekiel, when your countrymen ask you, won't you tell us what you mean by this? Which is probably a more polite way of putting it than they would have said. Say to them, this is what the Lord Yahweh says. I am going to take the stick of Joseph, which is in Ephraim's hand, Ephraim being Joseph's son, and of the Israelite tribes associated with him, the wood of the tribes of the northern kingdom, and join it to Judah's stick, making them a single stick of wood, and they'll become one in my hand. Hold before their eyes the sticks you've written on, and say to them, this is what the Lord Yahweh says. I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone, maybe where they have been scattered to, where they have been dragged off to from their land. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over all of them. And they will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. They'll no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses, for I will save them from all their sinful backsliding, and I will cleanse them. They will be my people, and I will be their God. My servant David will be king over them, and they will have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. They'll live in the land I gave to my servant Jacob, the land where your fathers lived. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever. David, my servant, will be their prince forever. I'll make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers. And now here is where we start really getting the echo in Revelation. And I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. 
and then the nations will know that I, Yahweh, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. See, the last time before Ezekiel said this, that God's sanctuary was among his people, would have been when the temple, Solomon's temple, was there in Jerusalem on the holy hill and Israel was united. The time before that, when God's tabernacle was with his people, was when they were wandering in the desert. And he gave instructions to Moses as to how the portable worship space was to be built. That word tabernacle, it, it has kind of a, a, almost a mystical sense to it, a mystical quality to it, right? Uh, it means tent, right? So like the Mormon tent choir, not going to sell nearly as many CDs as the Mormon tabernacle choir. But, but it's a, it was a tent. It was a portable worship space, a tent where God's people would gather. And the time in between Ezekiel and this revelation to John, when we see this word, the only other time we see that verb, that Greek verb, show up in the scriptures. Anybody know? It's a prologue to John's gospel. The very first of John's writings, we get the same theme that he picks up on at the very end. When John says that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. You could say the Word, made the word became flesh and pitched His tent in our midst. Or the way Eugene Peterson put it in his message translation, he became flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. But the Word made flesh and made His dwelling among us, among all of us. See, Revelation is both a fulfillment of what Ezekiel saw and a further development of, after all, what Ezekiel had in mind was the reunion of the northern and southern kingdoms, the, the divided body of God's people, Israel, brought back once again, not only brought back from all the nations to which they had been scattered, but brought back into the unity that they themselves had destroyed through civil war. But what's being pictured here, what's being pictured here, is a further reunion, further reunification of things that had been separated. That's what we're seeing in the Acts passage that we have this morning where Peter has this image on, in Acts 11 of our, our text this morning. Peter's kind of recapping everything that happened in the last chapter and, and change. Where Peter had been in Joppa praying and then he was called upon by the servants of the centurion who was in Caesarea Maritima. The distance from Joppa to Caesarea is actually about the difference from Joppa in Hartford County to here. So a little more than, a little further than you want to travel in one day, about a day and a half for him to, to get there. And he did. And he came and he showed up at the centurion's house. And Peter doesn't mention this in this story, but when we read the story in chapter 10, the very first thing that the centurion does is Peter entered the house <coughs> The centurion met him and fell at his feet 
and reverence. The centurion met him and fell at his feet in reverence. What this means, the centurion falling at the feet of Peter, is that all military forces are under the control of the Pope. It doesn't mean that only there were popes who liked that idea. Peter, of course, being the first pope. No, what, what, think about this for a second. You have a centurion. Somebody who's kind of the equivalent of a captain. He's got 100 people under his charge. He is part of the most fearsome army that the world had ever developed. Part of the greatest empire that the world had ever seen. And here he is falling down at the feet of a fisherman from the back country of nowhere, of the back country of nowhere. Peter's response, of course, is get up. I'm just a man like you. But there is a sense here, isn't there, of that prophecy of the nations falling down before God. The nations coming and giving proper tribute to the Lord God. And what Peter says he learned from this experience that he had, where he had this vision of all these unclean foods coming down on this, on this blanket and, and the command to kill and eat, based on the statement that you can't call anything impure that God has made clean, Peter said, and I realized, I realized what was going on. I realize that God gave these Gentiles the same gift as he gave us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And bear in mind, he says this after Luke tells us the beginning of our, our reading. You may have missed this. The first thing that happened when Peter goes up to Jerusalem, as he's getting yelled at by the Jewish believers. Did you hear that? Did you catch that? Peter shows up. The very first thing that, they're, that they want to say, they, they heard, it says they, the apostles, the, the brothers throughout Judea, heard that Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, all of the brothers, all of the Jewish believers, celebrated and said, how wonderful it is, Peter, that we have these Gentiles who are now worshiping the true God of Israel. That's not what they said. They said, what are you? You ate with them? I probably looked like mayonnaise on corned beef. What are you doing? <laughs> but he said, no. Guys, this is what happened. And so then at the end, they had no further objections. And praise God and said, wow. So God has granted even the Gentiles repentance until life. Even the Gentiles. So the good news is that God is bringing together those things which had been separated. Paul says in Ephesians that he has destroyed in himself that dividing wall of hostility and made one new people out of the two. And the way that we live this out is exactly
exactly how Jesus tells us to do it. To love one another. To love one another as Jesus has loved us. You remember, when Jesus gives this command and tells his disciples to love one another, he's telling a bunch of people who are about to do a really lousy job of fulfilling this command. They're about to abandon him and one another. He says, my command to you for this new people my new creation is that we love one another. My friends, this is not a matter of gritting our teeth and trying hard. It's not a matter of white-knuckling it and trying really, really hard to love one another. What it's about is letting Jesus love somebody through us. You may not find somebody particularly lovable but Jesus does. The good news is you don't have to find that person particularly lovable to love them. Isn't that right, Ron? As Marge keeps telling you. <laughs> you can love somebody as Jesus loves them. Not the way you do, but the way Jesus does. It's like that old Rich Mullins song where he said, we didn't know what love was until he came and gave love a face and he gave love a name and he gave love away like the sky gives rain and sun. We came looking for heroes. He came looking for the lost. We were searching for glory and he showed us the cross. Now we know what love is because he loved us. Amen. Amen. for us.